Welcome to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. We are here for you to know God, grow together, discover purpose, and make a difference in New York City and beyond. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram at Every Nation NYC. Enjoy the message. When I look at this church and I hear these words that were prophetically and under, I believe, the unction of God spoken over our nation. 60 years ago this August, I look at this congregation, I know we're living in the dream today. We are living the dream as Filipino and Nigerian, as Wakandan and European, as every person from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue starts to make its way into New York City and into every nation New York City to give glory to the one and only God. I know today we are living in the dream of people that have gone before us. And I want to look around and start to celebrate what God is doing here. The fact that each of us are here, having given up portions of our own home culture to work, work, work together and worship together in a place so diverse as this. These are some amazing people in here. Go ahead and look around and just celebrate each other and celebrate what God is doing in the work of the lives here today. Thank you, Jesus. The man that you just saw on screen, uh, at the core of him, he was a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was a minister of reconciliation. And that's who we are and that's what we're called to be, not as just this church, but as Christians, as followers of Christ. And there was a saying that Dr. King would uh, go around and, and teach on. He would say, you know, Sunday morning would be the most segregated time in America. I want you to think about that. Sunday morning would be the most segregated time in America. Where you walk through the doors of a church, and it would just be one ethnicity worshiping God. And you go down the road, and it would be another ethnicity worshiping God. But that's not God, who God has called us to be and who God has called us to, to worship and do. And so I, once again, I echo what Pastor Nathan is saying that this church, when you look around and you see what you see, it is a testimony to the grace and the miracle power of God because it is a miracle that we can all come under one roof and under one name and worship one God. That is unity. And where there is true unity, God commands the blessing. And what you're walking in and seeing this morning is a blessing. And what I want to say before we get started is that this message that Pastor Nathan and I are going to preach, it's going to challenge you, it's going to challenge us as a church. Because we know that there's going to be some choppy waters down the road. And so if we don't get ourselves prepared for what we're getting ready to encounter, if you thought 2020 was something unique and coming out of, in 2019 and all that was unique. This, it's another wave coming. And so before we minister, I'm saying this from my heart. There's no person that I would rather minister this with than who I'm with right now. And here's why. It's because, yo, you can clap on that. Hey, me and, too. <laughs> and here's the reason why. Is because you don't know what you have until you go through something with somebody. See, this man and I and Pastor Kaz, we took an asphalt whooping, <laughs> can I say that, <laughs> on 2020. We got drugged through the mud. We went through the good, bad, and ugly. 
things were said, things were done, but you know what? We said no matter what, we're going to stick with God and we're going to stick with one another. And I really believe that's why we are here today, able to preach this message in front of you. There's a saying that we say in the hood. If you ain't going to slide with me, I don't want you to ride with me. And so this man right here, he'll slide. He's with me. He's all with me in it. Not afraid to talk about it. Not afraid to go there. Wants to understand, wants to know, man, what is it about your ethnicity and your culture and me vice versa. So this morning, as we get ready to bring this message, I pray this, that you'd open your heart, open your mind, and take what it is that God is wanting to impart in you this morning. So let's go, Pastor Nathan. Well, wow, man. <laughs> Thank We're going to have Pastor some fun Chino. this morning. There's nobody I'd rather be on stage right now than you, and that's for sure. All right. You know, the first time I ever heard Pastor Shino speak, I was in high school. And, a, a, <laughs> and, and Pastor Shino was in college. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe he had graduated. <laughs> and he was, he was preaching about racism and uprooting stuff in people's hearts and ministering on HBCUs and just standing up for the righteousness of God. And so this man has not changed. This has been his message of reconciliation and the love of God and the forgiveness of God for each and every person. So I, it's an honor to now be on that stage with you, bro. Here we go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. Um, we know that the work that, the, that Dr. Martin Luther King was, was calling on for our nation is not completed. It's an unfinished symphony. That dream is not fully realized, but I believe that we're seeing the first fruits of it here in this congregation, in churches across the U.S., in the houses of God, and in our society, but it's not done. And so we want to wrestle with how do we be a reconciled people in a divided world? How can we realize that dream more fully in our hearts and in our lives? And I believe it starts, if we go all the way back into the very heart of God, that God made us. God made you. God made me. He made me the way I am. He made you the way you are. And if we can see the face of God within one another, we can celebrate one another. We don't want each other to change. We can't change. The Bible says, can a leopard change its spots? That's actually the Bible. No, no. Can't change the color of who we are, but we can change the content of our character. As, as Dr. Martin Luther King was saying, can we judge each other on that? Can we call each other up into that? Can we grow in that way? God has made us in his image, and each one of us are reflecting his face. And that goes for the beautiful people and the lovely people in your life, your friends and family, and those that you also don't like as well. God made those folks as well. And we're called to see the face of God in every two eyes that look back at us and, and to honor what God has put into that person. See the beauty. Recognize the beauty. God made that person. God made each one of us. We can celebrate that. But it goes even deeper than that. Because he didn't just make us physically, he's also imparted identity to us. In Ephesians chapter 3, 
Paul writes this. He says, for this reason I bow before my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. My last name is Lewis. And my great-grandfather changed his Jewish name to Lewis as he immigrated through Ellis Island a couple generations ago to not sound so Jewish. And we picked up the last name Lewis. That's where my last name comes from as he immigrated into the U.S. probably in the 1930s, escaping the horrors of Europe that were to come in the 1940s. It's the only reason I'm here. I wondered why I didn't have extended family growing up. That's why. Because we're, we're Jews from Europe. That's why. But as much as I could be bitter about my last name or proud of my last name, Father God has given me a greater name. And Father God has given you a greater name than whatever name you want to be proud of or hurt by or bitter about or or use as a defense or a weapon against our society. However you want to use your identity, Father God is wanting to impart a greater identity to you that both you and I share together, and that name is child of God. <laughs> Redeemed of God. Set free from, by God and called to God. Paul continues, from every family in heaven and on earth who is named, so that you may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints. That's all the saints together holding this thing that God wants to impart. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. So God has made you. He's made you by love and for love, and then to come together as one unified people under God and to hold love and express love out into our city. We were made in the image of God. As we're made in the image of God through love, the key is this, is that it's all. Say all. All. See, God has called all nations to be blessed. Sometimes we can get it in our minds that it's only a certain people group that's blessed. A person that has this color skin or that comes from this education or a person that lives in this sphere of the, of, the, of the world. But he said he wants all nations to be blessed. The Bible says this in Revelations. It says, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, yes, God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. You see, it's through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and through that lineage into Jesus that all nations are blessed. And so if you and I, being a child of God, we're blessed. And God is calling all of us to participate and to be a part of that. The Bible says this in 2 Peter 3, 9. He says this, that he's not slack concerning any, but he wants all, say that word again, all. to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
God cares about every ethnicity. He cares about people from Africa, from Asia, from Latin America, from Europe, from the Middle East, from the Caribbean. He cares about his creation. And sometimes we as people, we can look at other people and say, you know what, they're not blessed because they're from here. They're not blessed because they're from there. But you know what, there's a God in heaven by the name of Jesus Christ who died for all of our sins, who calls each one of us, regardless of ethnic background, that we are blessed because of him and what he did on that cross 2,000 years ago, the nations. God cares deeply about the nations. The Bible says this, that in his church, you remember him driving people out because they were in there doing money changing and doing things they shouldn't have been doing in his house? He said, no, my house will be a house of prayer for all. Say it again. I want people to get that, all nations, all nations. And so we want to be a church. We want to be a people that recognizes, that celebrates, that lifts up, that encourages people from different ethnicities and backgrounds. We don't want to be a church that says, well, you know, them and they. No, we want to be a church that says us and we because we love people because God loves people as well. Pastor Nathan. So we're made by God in his image. We're blessed by God and we're called to that heavenly throne room where every tribe, language, nation, and tongue will proclaim the wonders and glories of Jesus. But, um, but we're here in America. Yes, we are. <laughs> and that's a, that's a good thing. That's a blessed thing. And that's a compli complicated thing. Can we say that? It's a complicated thing. Complicated. Complicated thing. We're in an American story, and there's a problem. You know, that speech, it's beautiful to hear, but it needed to be delivered. And it was a challenging, in context, that was a challenging speech that was rattling the core of our nation because of what was happening at that time. 300 years of slavery happened on this land. Our nation was built on the backs of people stolen from their homes systematically ground down, separated from families, cultures destroyed, 300 years of it written in law and rightly done, supported, supported by churches, supported by preachers, supported by pastors. 300 years only came to the end, 1865, with the 13th Amendment. But then it required another amendment in 1868 for African Americans to be considered people in this nation, to be citizens. We had to start working our way out of this. That was a, two, nearly 200 years ago. But then there's 100 years of Jim Crow, 100 years of whites and blacks, again, separated by law, required the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and the Voting Rights Act in 1965. The history doesn't end there. There's redlining. Today, there's deep discrepancies in the justice system. There's generational economic disparity. These are realities that we're living in today. And it's not right. It's not right. Perhaps you've immigrated into the US from a different nation. I spent 12 years as a foreigner in the United Kingdom. And here's my invitation to you if you're making the U.S. your home. Make this story your story. This is our story. 
This is not where our story ends, but it's a part of our story. This is not all of our story, but this is a part of our story. This is not a black story or a white story. This is our story. As MLK said, our destinies are tied up together. This is our story. This is our work. This is what we are going to address in this church together. This is what we get to overcome. This is what we, as we, sell, as we get into the victory, what we will get to celebrate together as well. Our destinies are bound up together. We are in this together. This is our story. It's so important to understand that our destinies are tied together. You know, a lot of times we want to get around and, you know, say that I'll stay with my people or I'll go my route. Our destinies are tied together. I can't be who I'm called to be without Pastor Nathan. I can't be who I'm called to be without Pastor Kaz. I can't be who I'm called to be without walking with people who don't look like me and don't talk like me. I can't be ultimately who God has called me to be. And a lot of this, people say, well, how did we get there? What is it that would cause a man or a woman to create laws to try to hold down or oppress one another culture? You know, the Bible talks about the heart. And a lot of people say, man, you know, this doesn't make sense. You know, why do our people hate people because of the color of their skin? Or why do people uh, uh, don't want to associate with people because they don't talk the way that they talk? It's the heart. The Bible says this in John 17, or Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. When I think about these things, bigotry, and racism, elitism, and even colorism, it's real. A lot of times people say, well, you know, that's just a black or a white thing. But I'm here to tell you that I've learned culture over the years as I've had to travel in and out of nations. Before I ever go ministering to a nation, I always make sure that I understand their culture, the do's and don'ts, what to say and what not to say because I don't want to offend anybody. Well, there's things that I've learned along the way. I've learned a way that in some Asian cultures that colorism is real, is that if somebody's skin color is a little bit darker than another person's skin color, that sometimes there won't be that association with one another because they're looking at that man or that woman having darker skin as less than, that they're considered poor or farmers, people that work in the field versus people that may have lighter skin that may be in homes, nicer homes and have office jobs and they have a little bit more resources and finances that ought not be. Do we understand the caste system in India? Well, just because you're born poor, born a certain way, that they figure that that's how you are and that you're cursed and that you can never get out of that situation until you come back in another life. It ought not be. How about in Africa? I had a good friend of mine who grew up Afrikaans and I really had to understand what that was all about. He had to break stuff down and I had to educate myself. And he was just saying, man, I remember growing up in this culture and being taught this. And I'm here to say this, racism, bigotry, elitism, colorism, that stuff can be taught. 
It can be trained into a person. You can even buy that stuff because people can be bought and saying, man, I need to go be that way because somebody else wants me to be a part of their group or their association. And so when I'm listening to this man's story, he and his wife, both Caucasian, him Afrikaans and her American and white, decided as they're married to go adopt a baby out of an orphanage in Africa. And when he began to tell his parents why he was doing it, it was because of the love of Jesus Christ and him wanting to take this child and give this child a better life. And his parents threatened him and said, man, if you even think about doing that, what are you, are you crazy? You know that we don't associate with those people. Borderline, we're going to uh, disown you. And he said this, man, I would rather be a follower of Christ and do what God is calling my wife and I to do they continue to be in this family. I'm taking this child. Wow. And we're talking about stands. We're talking about taking a stand for what's right. Not allowing culture, not allowing circumstances and situations to make you and I be a certain way. Do you have that in you where you're willing to cut across cultural barriers and cultural lines? Even my story. Growing up, many of you may or may not know that I grew up in an interracial home. Obviously, my real father being African-American, but my stepfather being white. And we grew up in the rural South, deep South. Man, I mean the real South, not none of that old, you know, a little twang. I'm talking about country, hillbilly, down South. <laughs> Where there was a railroad track that divided the, 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 uh, the, the, the town. Blacks on one side, whites on the other. And so growing up in that environment, you know, you, you learn some things, you hear things. And so growing up, I understood culture. Growing up on, in a white uh, home and growing up in an African-American home and understanding lingo and dialect and talk and when, what bigotry and racism was really about. They disowned him for marrying my mom, his family, for being white and marrying a black person. They disowned him. That's real. That's, that's not like some foreign awe movie that you've watched. No, this is happening. This still happens in society today. There's something going on in the heart of a man or a woman that would allow something like that to be. The Bible says this in 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's a strong word. That's the word of God. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they say they've seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. See, a lot of people are going to be surprised when they stand up and they see the color of Jesus. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> Y'all don't be surprised. Now, I don't know if it's a lot of blue-eyed, you know, blonde hair. Now, that brother, I, I think he may have had a little dip in his hip when he was coming through. So, just going to let y'all know, this Jesus that we serve Middle Eastern brother, so he got some skin color now. Come That's on, right. got some pigment in him, Pastor Nathan. I, I, I'm leading you into a good, <laughs> the, the promised land with that one, brother. <laughs> he was a Jewish brother. He was. I love my brown-eyed Jesus. <laughs> where, where are we, bro? <laughs> <laughs> trying to find us in these notes. God's solution. Go. God got go. a plan to get us out of this. You know what? <laughs> Praise God, he's got a solution, amen? He's not leaving us where we are. He's not leaving us where we are. 
We aren't what we used to be. That's right. We don't. We aren't necessarily where we need to be. But thank God, we're not where we used to be. All Amen. right. Amen. I don't know. I don't know where I am in my notes, but we're in the messy middle. We're right in in the in between. <laughs> Here's some of God's heart, God's solution. This is Paul writing in an also divided context. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles because Jews were also racist. <laughs> They also had problems back in the day. In the temple, I got to tour around Jerusalem recently, and I was struck by all the ancient carvings because they were all in, of course, Hebrew. (laughs) Readable, written by Jewish people, written in Hebrew. But I knew that there was one sign that's been excavated that was written not in Hebrew, but it was written in Greek. And it said this, you're not welcome here. You can go this far, but no further into the temple. There was a small wall built in the, in the temple courts that said, this is the court of the Gentiles out here, but you got to be Jewish to cross this line and come any further to participate in any more deep worship with Yahweh. And it was, of course, written in the language that Gentile people would speak, it was written in Greek. And Paul is writing to this divided context to the church in Ephesus where both Jews and Gentiles were trying to worship together. They were trying to get it right. And he says this in Ephesians chapter two, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He broke that wall down that was in the temple. So now what can we do? By abolishing the laws and the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Hostility loves to grow up in the heart. The American story is not just the story of America. It's the story of just about every culture and every place around the world. It's the story of the human heart. We love to put up dividing walls. We love to say the good people are in here and the bad people are out there as though the good and bad people aren't living right here inside of me. We love to think as Christians, well, I'm a Christian now. Praise God. Isn't our church just perfect? No. (laughs) No. I love y'all. Y'all ain't perfect. The South coming out of me. Y'all. Y'all. I I love me. Me ain't perfect either. I love Shino. Shino might be perfect, though. Oh, no, no. I've seen this man under fire. He's a saint. He's a saint. Here's the thing, though. God is working the hostility out of each of us. And as we look at Jesus dying on the cross for whoever that other person is, the same Jesus died for that person that died for me, who I love very deeply, who died for Shino, who I love very deeply, who, lo- who died for my wife, who I loved very deeply, who died for this church, who I loved de- very deeply, also died for whoever we want to draw that line and say, they're on the other side of that line. Jesus died for them, and we've got to get that love into our hearts, the same love that crossed the boundary line of heaven and said, I'm going to go and die for them. Yeah, that's who we go and die for, them too. So good. And so as we can just continue the solutions, you know, the world 
tries to come up with solutions to deal with the problems that we have with ethnic tension, ethnic division, things like performative anger or destructive justice. But you know, there's a God in heaven who says, you know what, you can be angry, but don't sin. God's righteous anger in James chapter 1, 19 to 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I want us to think about that. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if I get mad at my brother or sister because of something or something their culture or their ethnicity said or did to my culture or ethnicity, and I decide to go and maybe do something ill, throw a brick at them, burn their place down, some people ratchet it up another level, take guns and do things maybe they shouldn't do to intimidate, to bring fear. There's no solution out of that. All you're going to do is get backlash. There's other things coming from that. There's no, there's no peace coming from that. And then the other thing that I know a lot of people like to do is also they like to blame shift. Well, it's them. If they were like this, then maybe we wouldn't have this. Blame shift. Or maybe if they were more educated. Or maybe if they grew up a certain way. Or all these different things. It's the blame shifting. It's this person. It's that party. It's that people over there, blame shifting, that's their fault. Instead of sitting down and saying this, and this is what I'm going to say to this church, that we can be, we can be in disagreement. We can disagree. But the one thing we're not going to do in this house is be disrespectful. I can disagree with you, and you can disagree with me. But the one thing we won't do is we will not be disrespectful. Because that's not God. That's the world's solution, to cancel one another, to tell the other one, you know what, I don't like you anymore, you're not my friend, to walk away from friendships that have been built over the years. So many things happen, but it's said to be slow to speak and quick to listen. See, I want to be a people that can sit down, and when a brother or sister is going through it in this church, because of ethnic pain, that you and I would say this, man, I want to hear you. I really want to hear what you got going on. Yeah. I really want to do this. I want to know you. I want to know more about you, where you came from, your ethnic background, your culture, your upbringing, and why you feel the way you do. And then I want to ratchet it up a little bit higher. I want to say this. I want to understand because a lot of times people will just poo-poo or push the thing away. I don't care your emotions, your feelings, no empathy, no sympathy. But when you get on a level of I want to understand, I want to understand your pain. And not only do I want to understand your pain, but I want to walk with you through it. I want to cry with you through it. And I want to help be a solution with you. I don't want to disconnect, and I don't want to lean out, but I want to lean in with you. Be quick to listen. Learn to listen to one another, to understand one another. The Bible says this in Galatians 6.1. See, when also, I want to cross this other barrier, and I'm going to be quiet. 
But the next thing I want to say is this, is that say I get a, in a conflict with one of my brothers or sisters. I hear them saying something maybe personal or I hear something going on online through social media. And that's my brother. That's my sister, man. I, maybe it's one of you in this church. You fire a shot and I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? I didn't know she was like that, man. Oh, my God. He was like that. I can't believe they said that. And now that, I got to come. Happen, that happens a bit on social media. <laughs> that just happens a bit. And I have to come and I have to sit down with you and talk to you about this. This is what I need to do. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too fall into that temptation. I've had to sit down with people in this church and I've had to sit down with people outside of this church during 2020. And I've had to have some hard conversations. Conversations that I don't even like talking about. But I've had to do it in a loving, kind, gentle way. Now a lot of people say, you know what, that, that don't have nothing to do with me. But I promise you this, it's coming. There's gonna come a moment where you're gonna have to stand up for what's right. And I'll say this publicly, I'm a Christian first and a black man second. Because when I sit down and I talk to people about things that are going on in our society, that divide, that hurt, that pierce the soul, I'm not going to say, well, this is what I would do. I'm always going to go back to what does the word say? How am I calling myself a man of God when I don't go to the word and I got to check self before I begin to check somebody else? And so the solution is for you and I to humble ourselves, to go to the word and to say, you know what? I need to be a man or woman of God when I encounter people and I have these conversations with people. Humble. I may not know it all. I may not understand it all. But what I do is know this, is I do want to know your hurt, your pain, and your struggles because you are my brother and you are my sister. Pastor Nathan. While the world has performative anger and cancel culture and destructing lives, blame shifting, God's solutions are different. They're just different. And one thing that the Lord has given to us is repentance. This is not something that the world likes to do a lot because on the other side of repentance, the way the world's repentance works is it goes like this. Hey, you made a mistake. Okay, I'm sorry. Cool, we'll cancel you. Bye. But the way repentance works in Scripture and in the economy of God, it's also something that, by the way, we all get to participate in. Because none are righteous, no, not one. And so when we repent, what we do is we build a stronger community, not a weaker one. Because each one of us find ourselves at the same cross, receiving the same forgiveness from the same God. The prophet Daniel He had experienced a lot. <laughs> he was stolen from his nation, 
brought by force to serve the Babylonians. And he saw that in his case, this was because of the failings of his fathers and the prophets and the kings and the princes of the generations before, stuff that he had nothing to do with. But he saw that sin and identified with it. He saw the brokenness and identified with it. And maybe you're sitting here going, I've got nothing to do with this. And you know, when it comes to like slavery and and chattel slavery in, in American history, that's something that none of us participated in. We were like, none of us saw that. But we can look at that as well as other atrocities in our nation or around the world, other things that are happening in our land right now, and we can identify and say, there's some part of me that's also in that. But by the grace of God, there go I. And so I'm going to identify that sin, and on behalf of my people, repent. On behalf of my forefathers, repent. On behalf of the part of me that could have done that and would have done that in a different situation, repent and say, God, would you come and heal our land? And so what I'd love for us to do is collectively read the words of Daniel, the prophet, that he prayed from Babylon over Jerusalem. And he said, God, your city is destroyed. That's the city of Jerusalem on whom your name is written. That's not New York, but you know what? I believe that God loves New York City as well. And he says, your sanctuary is is, is desolated. And praise God, we're in a lively sanctuary today. But on a whole, the worship of God is on decline in our nation. And so let's intercede, not just for this church, but the church. And let's stand in the gap as the people of God and identify what is wrong with the world and say, God, may it stop here with me and with mine and in my house and in my family and with my work and with my city. God, may it end here and end now in Jesus' name. So church of God, if you're ready, take your feet, stand to your feet, and we're going to read the words of the prophet Daniel together. He said this, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession, saying, and now let's all say together, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke your name to our kings, our priests, and our fathers. We are all people of the land. Now, therefore, O God, listen to our prayers of your servants and to the mercy. For your own sake, O Lord, make your stead upon your sanctuary with your citizen. O my God, incline your ear, open your eyes, open your eyes to see our and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our feet before you because of our because of your great Yes. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh my God. 
are called by your name. Yes, God. Act, God. Lord, over the pain, over the injustice, over the loneliness, God, act. And thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us in the way that we are. That, Lord, there's a place to put our pain. There's a place to put our shame. There's a place to put the injustices. There's a name that we can call on right now. Lord, we want to leave all sin, all of our pain, on you right now. And so we want to take communion together as a church, as a church that's united, not because we're so great, but because God has died for us. Jesus has shed his blood over us. If you don't have a communion cup and you'd like to participate, this is for those who believe in Jesus and want to celebrate his work. I believe ushers are coming down to distribute this now. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. Again, Paul writing to that church. He says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, in the bo- gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Why did he have to write that? Because the church was imperfect. Because it wasn't quite there yet. We're going to bear with each other in love, and we're going to call upon Jesus in the meantime as well. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Church, let's repeat some of these ones together. Can you say this with me? One body. One, body. one, spirit. one spirit. One hope. One, hope. one, Lord. one Lord. One faith. One God, one God and Father of all, Father of all who, is over all who is over all and through all and, through all, and, in, all. and in all. Jesus, we celebrate your body yes, given for us that tears down every dividing wall yes. and makes one man in place of the two. Let us take the body of our Lord Jesus together. Thank you, Lord. Now as we get ready to take the cup, this cup symbolizing the cup of the new covenant. Lord, I thank you symbolizing your blood. We thank you for your blood, Jesus, that cleanses us from all sin, past, present, and future. The blood that gives us access to the throne room of grace that we may find help and mercy in the time of need. And oh God, do we need you. The blood that reconciles us back to you and to one another. And we thank you for shedding it for us. No greater love than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. And we say thank you for laying down your life and giving us life and life more abundantly. Let us take the cup.
just want to pray this prayer. Just raise your hands where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you this morning that, Lord, something in this house shifted in the spirit. God, many of us have gone through some things personally or being around some things personally. God has hurt us. Ethnic hurt, ethnic pain. God, we know that it's real. Father, regardless of what cultural background we come from, we have experienced something. And God, I'm asking you this morning, in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, that it would be broken. That it would not be in this house. That there would not be bigotry, racism, God elitism, colorism, Lord, not in this house, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we'd be unified with you and with one another. And Lord, that prayer, Psalms 133, I pray that over us as a church as we begin to leave today. God, you said how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Dwell together in unity. God, keep strife out, division out, hate out, and let us dwell together in unity. Because you said where there's unity, you command the blessing. And so let the blessing of God flow today from the heavens above, over us in this church here in every nation, New York City, to our families, to our friends and our co-workers. Let us be a light for you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise before we leave? Can we praise him a little bit? God is good. Cares deeply about you. He cares deeply about your children. Let 2023 be a year of unity, a unity of a blessing, not just for this church, but for those around us. Go in peace. Bless y'all. You've been listening to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. If you enjoyed our message, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others hear the message of Jesus, and we really appreciate it. If you have yet to spend time with us in person, we would love to welcome you to one of our services. Visit everynationnyc.org to find all the info you need to attend a service. We will see you there.